0: Good morning, Oikos Church. My name is Sarah, and I want to welcome you to worship this morning. We are excited to be gathered for worship this morning. And so as we begin our time of worship, this is our time to stand up, meet and greet one another, to share the love of Jesus that we are here celebrating with him because Jesus loves us. He cares for us, and he has filled us with joy. So if you would join me right now, let's go ahead and stand up. We have five minutes until worship begins. Let's meet and greet those around us, those that are in front of us, those that are behind us, those that are gathered in the back. Bring them forward and say, come and sit with me because we're family. And so we want to welcome you to the Oikos this morning. Let's go ahead and stand up. Worship will begin in five minutes.
1: Bella. Alright, welcome to Oikos Church. We are so thankful that you guys are here today. And as we begin, we just would love to invite you guys, if you go ahead and uh, come on in and find your seat as we begin this morning. Let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time today to gather, uh, to spend time with the rest of our spiritual family. Um, maybe we haven't seen each other in a really long time. Maybe this is our first time here may we are here every Sunday and uh, so Lord we just thank you and ask that you would bless this time I pray that we would have your peace this morning that this might be a place of spiritual rest for us today as well we thank you that your mercies are new every day and that uh, um, that oftentimes Lord we feel that maybe because of our decisions this past week that we might be a little stained and dirty to come into this place today but Lord you welcome us in with open arms and we do the same here for one another And uh, so we just ask that your Holy Spirit would breathe life within us today as we begin in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, as you guys are able, let's go ahead and stand up on our feet and sing.
2: And now we sing
3: victory
2: he brought us in his mystery now we dance within his purpose see behold hold the glory of the grace that he has showered over
1: Go ahead and be seated. I wanted to read, uh, it's popped up on the verse of the day today from our Bible app. And so it's from Psalm 34, verse 18. And it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. I think oftentimes we have in our minds that God is somebody else, that God shames us, that he distances himself from us, that he says to us, you aren't worthy of being in my presence. Well, I'll tell you what I love about being here with you, getting to worship together, is that we know that what Psalms here is saying is that that's not true. The Lord is close to the broken heart. He's close to us. He's near to us. He lives within us. He's with us. We know that where two or three are gathered, there he is amongst us. And he doesn't just look at us and feel sorry for us, but he steps in and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And it is that truth right there that we can cling on to. It is that truth right there about why we place Jesus' name above all of the names, because he is God. He is the second person of the Trinity, That He's the only one who could ever save. He's worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, because He is close to us. He cares for the brokenhearted, and He rescues us. Jesus is our firm foundation, and when we try and build our foundation, our homes on things that are different. He pulls us back in gently. He says, Come, be with me. Come, be with my people. Come, be with my oikos. Come, be with the household of God because I am good and I love you. And so sometimes we need to ask God to remind us and say, Show me who you are because I've forgotten. And what I love, and then what I've been kind of pressing into recently, is rather than trying to dig my way out of the own holes that I tend to dig for myself, uh, is just asking God to help me. And if I don't know something, I ask Him to show me. I ask Him to tell me. uh, And I ask for His help. And so uh, we can have that type of humility, that we can own our weaknesses and ask for help. And so may the Lord fill us with faith this morning. May He comfort us and rescue us. And um, we just ask that His grace would be upon us today. So let's go ahead and sing, because we know that He is the name above all other names, and we can give him glory this morning and praise from a posture of gratefulness and thanksgiving. Worthy
2: of every song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you oh we live for you only there is no one like you there is none besides you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and feel heart and leave me in your love to those around me. Sing worthy. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one. Worthy of every breath.
1: Together, let's go ahead and confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died. was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living, and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, In a life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess our sins to you this morning. Know that we are by nature sinful and unclean. And so we come before you, knowing that you are close to the brokenhearted, and that you are our rescuer. So we thank you for the forgiveness that we have through faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And so it's from this place that we have been washed clean we worship you this morning. So we continue to sing to you, knowing that you have cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. You do not hold our sins against us. The guilt is gone, the shame is gone, and we can rest. We cannot worry. We can have the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. We pray that that peace will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So give us rest this morning. And we thank you for your reckless love that leaves the 99 to go after the one. So may there be much rejoicing in heaven, much rejoicing in this place for those of us who have repented of our sins and step forward in belief. And may your joy be the measure of our strength. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So know this morning that when we confess our sins, we believe in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, that he is faithful to forgive us, that your sins are gone through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. as we sing this song together. Before I spoke a word,
2: you were singing over me. So good. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in so kind your been so so I
1: Shadow you And have a seat. And this time we get to hear the story, the confession of faith uh, of a beautiful young lady who will be confirmed in her faith today, Abriana. Uh, so let's go ahead and take a look at her video.
4: Hello, my name is Abriana Leidel, and I'll be telling you a little bit about my about my faith. Faith in two words for me would be forgiveness and love. And the reason why I picked those two words is because whenever we sin the Lord will always forgive us. He's very merciful and He will always love us no matter what we do. And that's just what I think about when I think of the word faith because those just really stand out to me, those two words do. So um, some of the challenges that I have with my faith is that sometimes I will not show it in front of others. I am completely comfortable with sharing it with my family because I know that they won't judge me for who I am about my faith. But when I'm with friends or just random people, I have trouble sharing it because I feel like they will judge me. And I'm not self-confident around other people about my faith, which I know I should not be because I am a believer and I should be sharing His Word with others. Instead of being afraid to do so. So um, one day at school, some kids had said some really mean things about me that made me feel really bad about myself and made me think that I was really ugly. And um, when I went home to ask my mom about the, to tell my mom about this, she said that I was really beautiful and that I didn't need to worry about what other people think thought about me. And so I thought that she was just saying this because she's my mom. And moms are supposed to say that you're beautiful and that you shouldn't care about what other people think about you. But I didn't necessarily believe her because I thought she's just saying that because she's my mom. And since I couldn't necessarily believe the people that told me how I looked and I didn't really believe my mom, I could believe the Lord. And so. The Lord told me that I didn't need to care about what other people thought about me. He told me the exact same thing my mom told me. And through this experience, I learned that I can trust my parents. And I can trust the people that love me. And that I don't need to care about what other people think about me because they're just doing that. Most of the time, they're just doing that to hurt you. I believe that confirmation is important because of the fact that I get to confirm my faith in Jesus and I also get to confirm that I am his daughter in faith and also that I get to share my love of him to my way cause, my family. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him. I just wanna um, share that I just want you guys to know that even though you might rebel against him or forget your faith in him or just don't know what to do in a situation that you can trust him and you can know that he is always forgiving, he's merciful, and that he will always love you no matter what you do.
0: Please join me as we bless our kids as they continue to grow their faith. So please go ahead and place your hand on out and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we bless these kids, these children, Lord, who are learning to trust in you. They are learning that when they rebel, that you are there. And so grow their faith, Lord. Grow that love inside them, and may they shine brightly for you and all that they say and all that they do. Amen.
5: Good morning, church. How are you all doing? I got, I'm a really proud dad right now. So I may sniffle a little bit because things happened while I was watching my daughter talk about her faith. And it's amazing that sometimes your greatest fear, and one of my greatest fears, some of you already know this, is that because I was a pastor and called into the ministry, that my kids would become those kids, rebel, rebel. Against their heavenly father because their father spent his life dedicated to the church. And I am so proud that my daughter is actually seeing that the church is for her and not against her. And so I pray that that would be also the same truth for you. Sometimes we think we know exactly what God is going to do and who he's going to work through. Sometimes we think that we've got this idea of how we have to be for God to do something for us, that we need to get our stuff together before he's going to do something for us. Sometimes we think it's a certain class of person that, well, those people always receive his blessings, but I'm one of these people And I don't get that kind of stuff. God doesn't bend his knee to me to listen to my words like he does with those good people over there. So who does Jesus help? Does he only help the poor and powerless? Or does he only help the powerful? This question Maybe you're different than me, but I have oftentimes thought, well, maybe if I was more needy, he would help me more. Maybe if I wasn't this way, he would help me. How come he doesn't help me like he helps you? I don't know if you've ever thought, have you ever thought that? Anybody? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, mean, I it's a struggle, right? Sometimes people even point it out that, well, I think you've been helped too much. Or maybe you go through that point where you go, man, I have too much. He has forgiven me too much. So he's not going to forgive me again. I have stepped over it too many times. But Jesus doesn't just help your type of person. That's the great thing about Jesus is that he does whatever he wants. Isn't that good? Because if he would only do what I wanted, well, you guys would be like, thank God that doesn't happen if you reflect in your own life and go, if he would have only done what I asked him to do, I would be in a whole lot of trouble. Because Jesus does what Jesus wants to do. John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes and him will not perish, but have eternal life. He came to save the world because Jesus wanted to save the world. He didn't come to save one type of person. He didn't come to save one particular race. He came to save the world. He didn't come to save those who are really good at confessing, or those who don't really the Bible says he came to save the world. He's not asking you to step into a certain position. He's simply asking you to look to him. And this morning we get to hear a story where it shows and illustrates that Jesus doesn't necessarily care where you come from. he simply loves when he step near to him let's take a listen to the story
6: as they walked down the road, they passed the home of a certain woman. She had suffered a bleeding disorder for 12 years. Many doctors tried to help her, but her condition only got worse. This continued until her money was gone. When she heard that Jesus was passing by, she thought, I'd be healed if I could get close enough to touch the edge of his clothes. No one would need to know anything about it. So she made her way through the crowd and reached out and touched the edge of his clothes. Instantly, she knew she had been healed. Jesus felt the power go out from his body, so he stopped and said, Who touched me? Peter looked at the crowd and said, What do you mean, who touched you? Look at all the people around you. Jesus, Jesus ignored him and continued to look for the person who had touched him. Women realized she couldn't hide what she had done, she knelt down before him, trembling. Jesus said to her, Don't be afraid. Your faith has healed you go back home that disease won't return as they talked some people came and said to jairus you don't need to bother the master any longer your daughter has died jesus heard them and said to jairus don't be afraid just believe in me they continued on to his house when they got there they saw that the mourners had already arrived it was their job to play flutes and cry very loud jesus said Why are you making all this? The girl is only asleep. They laughed at him because they knew she was dead. So he had them put out of the house. He then took Jairus and his wife, as well as Peter, James, and John, and went to where the girl was lying. He reached out and took her hand. Child, get up. Instantly, the girl opened her eyes and got up. The parents watched in amazement. Finally, Jesus said, get her something to eat. And he told them, don't tell anyone about this. Still, the news of this event spread throughout the entire area.
5: How many of you have heard that story before? Man, you're experts, right? So you've heard this story. When I heard this story again, I guess I should have seen this before, but I didn't really think about the girl being 12 and this lady on the on the day that this girl was born, maybe started this this menstrual bleeding problem that then continued for 12 years. That their lives coexisted during this time period. And then they connect to Jesus on the same day. I don't know if they actually, she was born and she started at the same time. But what if it was? And then they connect to Jesus on the same day. That's only God's Thing there, because again, he's doing what he wants, not what we always want. What I see in this woman is that she simply comes to Jesus with a desire. She's been bleeding for 12 years. I know in my household she'd probably be pretty crabby. Sarah said I could say it. She, I mean, it's not a great time. This was not something that God had planned even in the normal cycle of a woman. In fact, this was part of the curse. So this woman not only experiences curse once a month, but for 12 years. And she comes to Jesus with a desire for end. Now we know from her That she had tried everything. She had gone to all the doctors that she could possibly talk to. She had spent all her resources trying to get healed, and still nothing. I'm now a poor woman who's still sick. And in the Jewish culture, she was not only sick, but she was deemed unclean. And unworthy to come into the contact of people who were clean. She was sent outside the camp. Until she'd be clean. So this woman is one of those people who haven't been to church for 12 years. She couldn't come to synagogue. She couldn't come into contact with people. She touched You know, being touched is one of the things as humans we need. This woman more than likely hadn't been reassured that someone loved her for 12 years. And so she comes with this great tenacity. She comes into a crowd that she should not be in. Because remember, she should be ostracized and separated from the group but she comes into this crowd knowing that they could hurl insults at her threaten to harm her to remove her from the crowd but she comes anyways because she hears about this guy named Jesus who had done awesome things and even if it might not, I step in. If I, when I work through lectio divina, which is an ancient practice of our church fathers for a millennia, they would go into the characters of the stories and imagine what they were experiencing during the time that the scripture was written. When I did this with this woman, I probably was thinking, "I have done everything. I have spent everything. I have." Nothing. And this might not work either. But I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it because I'm desperate. Maybe you know someone's desperate. Maybe it's you. Maybe there's something in your life that is broken. And you're desperate, like this woman, to receive healing. You've tried everything. Except coming to Jesus. She comes to Jesus with a desire, with nothing to give. She'd spent everything, nothing to offer. She couldn't say, Come to my home. She couldn't say anything to Jesus to compel him to help her. And I think she knew, secretly, quietly, went up to touch his cloak, hoping in desperation. Their life could be changed. And the story says, instantly she knew, she knew she had been healed. You can imagine her going, oh. maybe even in conflict of, I want to say thank you, Jesus, but knowing that the crowd does not want her but knowing that day. But Jesus messes it up because he does what he wants. Right? She thought she could quietly slip away, go through the process of the ritual of becoming clean, be able to enter back into the community. But Jesus messes it up because he does what he wants. And he asks the question, who touched me? And fear comes into her when she finally approaches him because she has a wonder about the man who healed her. She has a respect, I believe, that went beyond the crowd that was assembled. She was amazed. She kneels before him, and he reminds her, that this will never happen to her again. That she's been healed. And that she has ownership with him. There's a lot of healing that went a lot further than just bleeding. Nothing to offer, but she got everything that day. One of the things we do with our leaders here is we do a dashboard or a checkpoint, and we ask, from 1 to 10, how are you doing? Just think of the number, you actually get to do this. It's not rhetorical. How are you doing physically? You don't have to say it out loud, I know, because you may not want to do that. That's okay. Pick that number. Where is it ranging? Are you feeling really good right now? Are you feeling hurried? Physically, if you're feeling hurried and overly busy, it should not be in the 8s, 9s, and 10s. In fact, when someone tells me they're 10, I kind of go, okay, whatever. (laughs) If you're feeling hurried and busy physically, maybe, maybe you're tired. Then the number starts creeping down, right? So where are you right now, physically? Where are you emotionally today? One to ten. If you get your number, just raise your hand. That's the way I know that you guys are actually listening and you're not reading some story on USA Today or something. Awesome. You got your number. So emotionally, you might be, maybe you're correlating more with the woman. Kind of in this, trepidation of will this work or will this not work and you're kind of in the five or maybe you're like the woman instantly after she's healed and you'd say emotionally I'm an eight after Jesus says who touched me and you get fearful maybe you're emotionally you're more like a three where are you today and then spiritually where are you how is your walk with Jesus? This is actually a question that I ask a lot of people, especially if I haven't seen them for a while. I just go, how's your journey with Jesus right now? Especially if I know if they've been journey. I mean, I don't ask that if I don't know that they've been with Jesus. But if they've been with Jesus, I ask, how's your journey with Jesus going? How is it? If you get your number, raise your hand. Now, the ch- today is... To go through those numbers, and maybe you have a couple high ones and one low one. To ask, Lord, why is that low? Maybe you know, or maybe you don't. That's the question where do I need to pursue Jesus with tenacity? Where is Jesus inviting me to come and touch his cloak? The second character, as we jump into, Jairus. What a great guy. Probably beloved by his community, but completely opposite from this woman. See, the woman came with nothing to Jesus, came with a lot. More than likely he was monetarily rich. He had a home. Because the synagogue probably was more in his home. That's where they would meet. Just gather people in there. He was respected. He wasn't ostracized. People would want him to come over. He had been touched in the last 12 years. He had been many times, how wonderful he was. And he rejoiced just like I was sitting there rejoicing and seeing my daughter. He was doing that with his daughter maybe a week before this. We're not sure what kind of disease she had or what sickness she had. We don't know what exactly it was. And now he was about to lose her. So he comes to Jesus with a request. Now he could have offered a lot of things like Jesus, my synagogue, anytime I'll offer you protection, Jesus. I know there's a lot of people out there wanting to kill you, but in this area, you can ha- be under me. Jesus, I'll give you some money. But what's awesome about him is that he steps in before Jesus, and though the world would say he had everything to give, he offers nothing but a request. Because he realizes that his stuff means nothing. All the things that the world had given him meant nothing on the day that his daughter was dying. And all he could do is look to Jesus and say, maybe in the same kind of desperation as this woman, maybe, So he kneels. This is not what a leader of the synagogue would do. But he kneels before this unrespected rabbi named Jesus with a request. And moments later he finds out that his daughter had died. I think his opposition is something we can learn from. Is that instead of going with what he knew, that his daughter was dead, worth it, according to the crowd, to pursue this any further? Instead of going with what he knows is accurate, realistic, logical. Some of you guys are logical guys, right? He goes with what he believes. And when his own belief is threatened, Jesus says, do not fear, just believe. So what does this look like for us? What does it look like for us to touch the cloak? What does it look for, like for us to come on our knees to Jesus? Whether it's with a desire or a request. It involves two things. Repent and they probably put it up. Oh, they did. Repent and so whether <coughs> wherever you are today, either one of those can really be hard. For some people the that you're actually forgiven is not. For others, they may believe that God is out there, but they can't see that they have anything to repent of. They're fun people to be by. No, I'm just kidding. Well, actually, I'm not kidding. (laughs) When you don't think you have sin, you're only fooling yourself. But sometimes we're there, right? We can see the sin in ourselves for for ourselves to repent and believe that Jesus really is doing what He said He would do. It's so hard. So when we believe that Jesus really did come, just like He said in the world, there's some things, some basic practices that we can do as people as we follow Him. The first thing is pray. Of course, you're going to hear about prayer because you came to church. But in prayer, we get to share our desire. In prayer, we get to share a request. We get to follow the example of this unnamed woman who had nothing to offer. And we get to follow the example of Jarius this man who had everything but realized he had nothing, tenaciously pursued Jesus. Because they saw in their own desperation that they needed something, someone bigger than what they had. In prayer, we get to be one with Jesus. thought about that. That in prayer, you get to commune with the Holy Spirit who speaks for you. In prayer, he supplies words where you cannot think of words. That's how intimate God wants to be with us. leading us in worship and reminding us that God cares enough to be present. But even more so, he cares enough to dwell in you. Why does he dwell in you? Because you can believe. When you repent and believe, you open your door with a big welcome sign saying, God, thank you so much. You've done everything and now you want to reside in me. And what's even to reside in you even when you aren't sure you want him in there? I hope he can relate with me. But many times when we're struggling with repentance and belief, we kind of want God to just exit. But what God does is says, No, I knew what I want. And I want you. Man, I'm glad we have a God that does what he wants. So we get to pray. We get to exercise prayer. And that's baptism. If you haven't been baptized in baptism, God says, I will dwell in you. I will mark you and I will claim you as mine. For those of us who have been baptized, we get to remember our baptism every day. We get to remember our baptism when we start having an identity crisis. So Aubriana talked about that. She didn't want to believe what her mom said, didn't want to believe what I said, didn't want to believe her parents because, of course, to a 13-year-old girl, we are stupid. And that's okay. Because she believed who she needed to. She believed the Lord. And I give thanks that she heard his voice saying, you are mine and you are beautiful you are cherished, you are loved. I don't know if he said all that. When you are baptized, you become a child of the Lord. And I think if I just step, this is hard to do, step into the shoes of the Lord, he was prouder of what Aubriana spoke about today than I could ever be. then I'll get to rejoice this afternoon. Because that's who he is. That's how much he loves us. For everyone who's a parent in here, I want you to think right now, when you love your kid, I love him a thousand times more. And when you think you have a doubt that he loves you, remember how much you love your child. That he loves you a thousand times more than that. Experience in a few moments is the Lord's Supper. Jesus didn't have to do these things. But I believe he wanted to make sure that we knew that we needed touch, just like the woman needed to be touched. She wasn't alone. He gives us baptism and the Lord's Supper for us to receive the touch of God upon us. When we commune, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we touch Jesus, his body, and his blood. It's made kind of walk in motion and We go, yeah, 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 that's just all, you know, we just say this stuff. But what if you pause for a moment and you go, as I receive this bread that we believe is his body, and as I drink Jesus Himself is touching me and saying, You are not alone. You are loved. And I came to die for you so that you are forgiven and you are cherished. As we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, my prayer for you is that you would take a moment to think about the significance of Jesus has you. Especially wherever your number was, physically, spiritually, or emotionally, it was really low. May you offer up that request. Offer up that desire that he would bring healing as he t- an invitation in John chapter 15 remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches, that will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. May we pursue Jesus with tenacity today. That we bring our desires to him, that we'd be reminded that in our repentance and our belief, we had been, re- been given an invitation to remain in him and he in us. We would not be so anxious that we would not our requests, that we would not be so doubtful that we would think that he would not listen. And that where we have a hard time believing that he's actually working. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here today. You're in this place. You said so. Where two or three are gathered, you're there. You said that when we eat of your body and your blood, that we're in you as you are in us. You said, as we pray, we are made one with you and the Father. Lord, help us believe. Where we are hurting today, Lord, where we are... are Give us confidence in who you say you are. Give us confidence in what you have done. Give us confidence in what you will do. We we ask of you something. That it will be done. Give us understanding that it may be done differently than what we want because you are a God who does what you want. That you are for us and not against us. May we rest in that peace. As we say the words that your Son taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So today, I invite like you to take that moment to think about what it really is about and what we believe and what Jesus himself has asked us to believe about it. That the body is in, with, and under that bread. It tastes like bread? We taste that wine, but we believe it is his and it absolutely makes no sense. It goes against all logic. And in fact, even if it was logical, which I'm not sure how you can make it logical, but you do your best. I don't know. But he says so. And for me today, that's enough. So may your belief in who Jesus is and what he says enough. If you're not sure about it, one of the things that's going to be happening at our house tonight at our covenant family gathering is we'll be hearing a verbal testimony from Aubriana. She's a little anxious so you can pray for her because I'm not letting her off the hook. The video is great. Could we play it? In the presence of those who are there. And then we'll also celebrate a First Communion of a few of our kids here at Oikos. What I want to assure you is that just because we're doing it now does not mean that you can do it again. Because that's not how we operate. You can do this in any missional community that you're a part of. You simply go to the spiritual parents of that missional community and you say, hey... I would love to know more about First Communion. Or, I would like to know what does it look like to have a person confirm their faith? Because guess what? You don't have to be 13 to do confirmation. Because those are rules that I just don't go by. You can be 33. You can be 44. 64. You can be 80. We don't have anybody that's 80. Um, Give me Ken's age. (laughs) Sorry, that was just stupid. It was right out there. It does not matter because what the Lord wants is your faith And what we want to do is make sure that we walk alongside parents, especially with their children, and give you the tools to teach them the faith, but that I'm not pushing you aside and saying, they can only learn this from the pastor. That's why we do this way. So, if you have questions about that, please ask us because it is a different process than most places, and we understand that. So, let's go to the Lord's Supper as we receive what He's told us that we'd receive. And in this, we are unified and given faith and forgiveness because of what he's done. On the night that he's betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way also, after supper, he drink of it all, you of your covenant of my blood, which is given for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. These are the words of Jesus. May our hearts believe them. As we approach the table, may we see and walk in
1: us this morning for forgiving us our sins. And Lord, through the elements, through the bread and the wine, your body and your blood, we have forgiveness of sins and strengthening of our faith. So go with us today. Fill up our spirits. Give us rest today. With boldness and conviction that we can love like you and invite others into our lives so that they might experience Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. We invite you to stand up on our feet as we sing our last song.
2: Please help me turn and believe this moment in time is where you and I could lie so teach me and show me please help me turn and
3: believe
2: So me please help me turn and believe
3: this all
1: right you guys can have a seat for
0: announcements so as we close today in worship we have just two short announcements you pray and as you believe that the Lord is in it with you, we ask that you take time to give thanks. We give thanks through our tithes and our offerings here at Oikos Church. You can give three different ways. You can give here in the space and our brown box on this side of our worship center. You can That invitation was also extended uh, by Pastor Aaron, but I will extend it again. Tonight we have missional community at our house. Tonight is an evening where we celebrate as a covenant family what the Lord is doing in the lives of the children in our church. So we hope that you can bring something to share, that you can bring the peace and the love and the joy that the Lord has instilled in each of our hearts and be able to be there for our children who are saying, Lord, we know that we are enough because you are in our lives. Lord has that his love is in us and so let's go in peace and serve the Lord amen <laughs>